Hey, I'm Sam. And I'm Julia. And you're listening to the 29-Hour Podcast. This week, we talked to musical theater writing team, roommates, and wine time pioneers, Tim Rosser and Charlie Sohn. Here they are now. Full disclosure for everyone listening at home, but I went to college with Charlie and Tim. Oh, hey. Um, Crazy. And so I know that they met there, but I don't think they started writing together until after they graduated. We didn't even meet there, believe it or not. Really? Although I knew who Charlie was because he was notorious. He was. Yeah. I, I would agree with that assessment. And for what was he notorious? Uh, writing offensive musicals about the Southern community. <laughs> And Great, then, we're gonna uh, dr- about Ronald Reagan. <laughs> oh yeah, Ronald Reagan was later. Yeah, yeah that yeah, was after yeah. Tim's time. Yeah, I I'm, I'm glad. I I'm music glad. directed Ronald Reagan here in the city. In the, oh, that's the right. Exclusive New York. I, I have of... a lot of experience with Charlie's early work. So yeah. if you have any questions, well, my question is, how did you guys decide to start writing together? <laughs> that's not. Oh, that that's a question we can answer. <laughs> let's Charlie go to that. Let's story. let's skip the early <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Um, yeah, so uh, we, um, so as Sam knows, um, Oberlin does not, or at least when we went there, did not have a large number of people who wanted to do musicals. Um, yes. I think that's changed a little bit. But it, it, yeah, I, I think I've, I've heard that it has, but yeah. at least when we were there, it was very weird. So I recorded demos for my musical for like, you know, applying to things, and you we're writing a mute Tim. Was I did the same. I was recording demos also for applying to things. Um, and there was this lovely little hipster boy, Kevin, mm-hmm. who's a good who's friend of ours. Who's grown into a lovely hipster man. Um, <laughs> You're going to hate that I yes, said that. Absolutely. I'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sending this to him. Um, but he recorded both of our demos. He was a, uh-huh. a, a recording, a electronic mu- music major, Tamara major. Tamara. Um, so, and he was like, oh, that's, w-. and he was, uh, he's a good friend of mine, and he came to me, and he was like, oh, there's, like, someone else who does this weird thing that you're doing for some reason. You guys should probably meet. And so Kevin put us in touch, and I listened to some of Tim's music, and I thought it was amazing. And Tim is a year older, so he was already in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, like, asked him to start writing with me. And Tim rejected me. <laughs> Is My dance card was full. <laughs> That's, That's actually what his email said. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, yeah. No, I had just started BMI. I was in uh-huh. the throes of figuring out how to write a song in less than a month's time. Mm. And, <laughs> and you know, the idea of trying to start something new with Charlie was like overwhelming to me. Well, because you were at you were a composition major at Oberlin, right? I was, yeah. And were you always like aiming for musical theater, or like tell me about that? No, I mean, I think uh, I think while I was at Oberlin, I was real. I really drank the lemonade. Like, I really, really wanted to be good at contemporary composition, and I, you know, best foot forward. And uh, I. I think I did, did a fairly good job for a person with my background and, you know, my interests before Oberlin were very song oriented and mm-hmm. <laughs> I was a classical pianist and I used to buy a lot of songbooks and play them and sing them. So uh, uh, when I went to Oberlin, it was with an eye toward uh, improving my 
musical, my music writing abilities generally. Mm -hmm. I didn't really know what that meant. I don't think anybody really knows what that means <laughs> when you set out to do it. And, <laughs> uh, and interestingly, after I graduated Oberlin, I never wrote another concert piece and I had no desire to. So, and that was surprising to me. I didn't anticipate that that is how I would respond to getting out of Oberlin. But, um, I guess. Why do you think that is? I, I think it became clear I really wanted to write musicals, and I was writing my own little secret project. I felt like such a badass at Oberlin because it was so like my filthy secret. <laughs> I had the same experience where I was, you know, undergrad composition major in an academic music department. But Wait, I is that not, true? Yeah. How do I not know this about you? Yeah, I was undergrad music major at Yale. Oh my God. So you had a very similar experience. Yeah, to me. I think so, but I did not feel badass at all. <laughs> I only felt like wrong and sad and afraid. And I mean, oh. my professor was really nice and the students, like everyone was very kind. It right. just was clear that like musical theater and film scores were not the things that were really getting people's blood pumping. And oh. as nice and See, maybe you, you weren't were. secret enough about it. Okay. I was super secret about it, so I felt really badass. <laughs> maybe if I had revealed what I was doing late <laughs> at night when no one was looking, I would have felt guilty as well. But <laughs> I actually didn't, you know, it wasn't, I, I'm not sure it was, I think in the program I was thought of as like, maybe the more traditional writer huh. uh, or I don't know. I, ha I have a friend who at one point I got like a, a, a special honor in the program and it was for, uh, I'm not talking myself up right now. <laughs> You'll hear why, but it's, um, but it's a very big honor. It's a We're huge deal. <laughs> <laughs> My mother still does. She doesn't. I don't think <laughs> she even knows about it. Uh, <laughs> that's not true. Um, but uh, I got, yeah, I got like a, it was this uh, parents weekend. They would choose a piece by a composition major and they, and it would be performed for a concert that was, uh, it was a concert with uh, composition students had work. Uh, it was, you know, s soloists would play solos, you know, each chosen from their department. And uh, so my piece got chosen one year, which I felt very thrilled about because I, you know, straight A student, like I felt, you know, like finally I was coming into my own <laughs> in the world of contemporary music. And my friend said sort of drunkenly at a party, he was like, um... Yeah, and I mean, obviously, Tim's the one who got chosen. They were all complaining about, like, aspects of the department, and they were like, obviously, Tim got chosen for Parents Weekend because he writes, like, the easiest to listen to music. Oh. <laughs> which, like, at Oberlin, <laughs> which, which that was, like, a huge insult. Yeah. yeah and, uh, and I, yeah, I, I was... I was very, because I didn't think it was uh, anyone uh, thought of me that way until mm. that moment. And mm. then um, I realized there was a big dividing line. You know, I was I was writing things that were sort of tonal, if not <laughs> entirely tonal at moments, you know. Did and, you have like a senior composition project? Uh, yeah, we had to write, <clears throat> they called it a short piece and a long piece. And the... Uh, the or tall, sorry, tall piece, short piece and a long piece. Can you guess what that means? <laughs> no, they, it was a tall piece and a long piece. The tall piece was for full orchestra, and uh, I think it was needed to be five minutes long, and the long piece needed to be long. I think it was ten minutes maybe, and uh, it could be for a smaller ensemble. So everybody had that assignment. 
and uh, they. Uh, I mean, I I don't know if I should talk anymore about it. I no, I love that. No, no, <laughs> this is great. I'll never forget the <laughs> the day we had the readings of the tall pieces. I mean, when do you have a full orchestra? Yeah. Right. Wow. Oh, and God, and it, they com- they put together a full orchestra, and all of the composition students were getting their pieces read by the orchestra. And my piece, my piece was about it. Like it wasn't about, but like in you know, terms that I can talk about it. It was basically about three flutes. And then there were like a lot of other things that happened based on what the flutes were doing. And two flautists didn't show up. No! (laughs) I thought I was going to kill myself. Oh, wow. That so was, it was the, just, I it mean, was the world's imagine, loneliest flautist. Oh up there. my God. The world's busiest. Oh, <laughs> I know. I was like, you have to play all the parts, or <laughs> this is the last day, my last Whoa. day on earth. Yeah. And uh, I was. I was so beyond depressed about it because if you can imagine, I mean, obviously this thing wasn't completed until the last minute and it was a huge undertaking. We had to make all of our own parts and we had to, you know, just just making parts alone and doing the formatting and printing and taping things together. Oh, does that ever become different? <laughs> oh my God. So, you know, and full of for, for a full orchestra, it's like maddeningly you know I'm a maddeningly huge project and uh to have two of the like featured people just not be there (laughs) so that experience obviously drove you right back to musical theater that's right I was (laughs) like everyone shows up on time (laughs) 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 where I'll never be disappointed well where where you'll never never be disappointed by two flautists not showing up that's true yeah that's true there's just the one drunk one (laughs) who's doubled by the key too (laughs) (laughs) and that's why he's drunk (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but so, but so, did you go right into BMI right after you graduated? Oberlin? Yeah, immediately. Uh huh. Yeah. Which that must have been culture. I mean, we've talked about this. Yeah, part. it was crazy. I'm so glad I did it. It was. Yeah. It was like, what's the, what's like the most you can turn? Three sixty or one eighty? One eighty. It was like a one eighty. You guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, seriously, it was the. It was so different from how I was used to talk thinking about music. You know, and because most of what I learned in BMI wasn't really about music. Music. It was about drama and yeah. about dramatizing. And uh, I, you know. Like I said, I I used to take a month to write something, two months, you know, because I it I didn't know what I was prioritizing, I guess. Hmm. And um, BMI helped me sort of get my priorities in order. Like if you want to write musical theater songs, here is the most important thing. And then maybe here's the secondary thing. And maybe here's, you know, and they sort of set it up. And whether or not I ended up agreeing entirely with them at the end of the day, it was really refreshing to have somebody do that, you know, so that then I could do it also. Um, Did you feel that way about BMI? Yeah, Yeah, because you guys both did it, but at different times. Different years, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I think it's a similar experience. And and, and Julia, I wonder if, if, if you sort of had the same thing going to NYU where it's just, I don't know, for me it wasn't, I didn't have the same um, super intense conservatory uh, thing that I was coming out of, but the ideology of like the Oberlin Theater Department and the kind of shows that I liked and still like, uh, you know, were 
were not it was a different like base of um work than most people who go into musical theater find themselves coming from and liking so i you know came into musical theater i think valuing kinds of writing that like right you have to say what they are like what are some examples um well like i think like a lot of like uh like 70s theater like um i'm trying to think oh oh like a place like the balcony um like um even even in a more like contemporary like american like like tony kushner and i know he writes musicals but like you know i i definitely like came to writing musicals from a perspective of like like really like what like it's what you said it's a priorities thing it's like i didn't understand that how much it took to make a musical work i mm-hmm. think that was the big thing coming out of college and so getting something working felt like oh of course it'll work like you know it'll like people what's will be entertained yeah I what's something do? interesting yeah. i could do what's something what's the most theatrical <clears throat> thing i can do right now what right. is like the longest monologue I can write right now, you know? Yeah. Like, that was sort of the perspective. So it was right. really good. And and I think I agree with you that, like, in the end, I don't know that I, you know, like, took the entire, like, BMI ideology. But, like, yeah. it was really nice to be shaken out of that and, 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 and be in an environment where it's like, no, this either works or it doesn't. And uh, if it doesn't work, you need to fix it. And a thing that works is better than a thing that's interesting but doesn't work like yeah. those were new concepts to me. <laughs> and we've talked about this before we still you know i'll speak for myself i still find myself creeping back to things that i really value and mu- just music mm-hmm. like what i like about music yeah. and uh and so they don't go away and it, i still have those kinds of preferences but they're sort of embedded and they take a little bit of a side you know a little bit of a side what what's the word that i want um, aside, they sit on the side. Yeah, back seat, back, seat, back yeah. burner, side, side piece. Yeah. <laughs> side piece. What? <laughs> no. Oh no! I was just trying I'm to be helpful. The like, facial texture is just really my side piece. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Wait. So we still haven't gotten to the point where you guys started writing together. Oh right. This is going to be a four-hour interview. <laughs> yeah. By the way, you Get didn't know what you edit. were signing up for. <laughs> Um, yeah, so uh, so Tim at the time um, was uh, was working with a different lyricist in BMI who he liked better than me. Ooh. Yeah, she's just like so she, great personality, really funny, <laughs> and like really like a good lyricist. And yeah. that's kind of the thing. That was like my first challenge. But <laughs> the thing that I had going for me is that Tim is impossible to work with. Yeah. <laughs> so eventually he drove her into the seminary mm-hmm. and is she left real? musical theater. We thought that it was true. We actually did think years. it was true for <laughs> the first three years. And I keep telling the story because it's better. She actually yeah. is in academia now, right? Yeah. yeah. That's okay. Right. Um, but the seminary, the seminary sounds better. Yeah. You know? It's more of a thing to drive people to. Yeah. <laughs> like driving yeah, yeah. her into academia doesn't that raise doesn't an eyebrow the, quite like the seminary. The seminary. <laughs> it really makes you look terrible. Yeah, it makes me look like a real monster. <laughs> um, so at that point, I feel like you don't like meeting new people. <laughs> so you were pretty desperate. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, yeah, so we started working on our first show. And the, I think the first time we... we did this um 
they they have this like Johnny Mercer songwriter workshop and like that was the first thing we like wrote a couple songs for that and then like we had our first like week away with each other where we had to write a bunch of songs and that was like a similarly like traumatic in a good way experience for yeah, both of us i cried more than once probably. we were really angry we that both whole were time. angry and I cried think, a lot i actually at think each other or at uh no not like at the each, world at the world uh, okay <laughs> um it was it was very it was like a mix of pop writers and musical right, theater right. writers. Yeah. So it's literally such a good idea. Yeah. Like mm. the and it's such a great thing to go through. Yeah. Um and it's it and it was painful at the time. Yeah. Particularly coming from those like perspectives that we were talking about where like BMI at the time was like like not selling out. I don't know how we would have talked about it at the time, but BMI felt like like a huge leap for us in like leaving our like cocoons of like either the conservatory or weird like experimental theater. So then to like land in like mainstream musical theater land and then immediately be pushed into like, and now there are singer songwriters who are like, I just wrote this song this morning and, and isn't it great and kind of better than that thing that you just like spent like 12 hours sweating over. Mm. Like that was like a big, I think. Yeah. Thing for us. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think I. it's interesting to hear you say it that way. I, I think that was a little bit my experience. I think it was also, and maybe this is 2020 hindsight, but I, uh, I remember at the time thinking, I just, I just, I've been doing BMI where the people I'm looking to are, you know, most of them are dead, you know, and, uh, a lot Just to of... clarify, not the actual members of BMI. <laughs> <laughs> right, thank I'm you. I'm glad that worked. I'm so That's... glad you're here. Um, no, most of the writers, you know, from the golden age are, you know, have kicked it. And so, and the music that a lot of them wrote that I, you know, my way into musical theater was golden age, broad, you know, Broadway musicals. And... Uh, that music is more classical in some ways. I think it's actually way more poppy in ways that I never recognized until much later. But uh, at the time, I thought it was closer to what I understood. You know, like mm -hmm. I understand orchestras and I understand, you know, music that isn't necessarily groove-based mm -hmm. or that the groove is a very gentle suggestion, <laughs> you know. And, uh, and then... And then being, you know, put in a place where the music that these other writers were doing was so different from anything I even understood. Like a drum-based song. I didn't even know how to start writing something like Like I, don't, I didn't even have any idea how that functioned. It took years before I even realized the relationship between like a drum set and a bass and a guitar which is funny now thinking of the score of Boy Who Danced on Air, which I feel like yeah. is very facile with all those things. Well, I'll say I learned more about pop music in general working on that show than anything else I've ever done. And I had to find each of the things out on my own in a weird way. But uh, a lot of the, you know, the relationship of the different rhythm instruments and how they work together and how they might not work together if you <laughs> screw it up, you know, uh, that that all came very late to me. How did you, know? you go about researching all that? Um, <clears throat> well, the uh, my initial uh, 
pass at writing the music for that show was the result of buying a bunch of CDs of Afghan folk music. Because I, I really like uh, acoustic instruments. I'm always very drawn to them. And um, I listened to a little bit of Afghan folk music and sort of became obsessed with it. Because it has things that are familiar to me um, and timbres that are very unfamiliar to me. So I... I basically just listened to a bunch of recordings, chose my favorite things about them, and made a list and was like, what are the cool things that are sticking out to me? And um, and then I, you know, when I started writing songs for the show, those sounds would sort of pop into my head and I would, I just try to use them somehow. And uh, it was, you know, it's quite a balancing act because we did want to write a musical and, um, uh, you know, for a Western, specifically for a Western audience, I think, initially was the idea. And, uh, but I didn't want it to sound um, like I was ignoring this wealth of musical heritage that, you know, we all have access to. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it, it's a balancing act. And it was um, a really interesting experience figuring out how to even what ensemble to use you know what wow. what kinds of sounds can I get and uh who do we know who plays you know the rabab <laughs> you know there are fantastic rabab players here in New York City you know and there are you know fantastic Dumbek players here in New York City and they uh there's a community of of people who play music outside of my experience because I'm primarily musical theater and uh, those colors don't often get utilized so uh yeah Haley, was it hard to write lyrics for the show before <clears throat> you knew exactly what the sound world was going to be well the good thing is we so so uh, so we are, at this point, basically pretty much always music first. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. And actually, in, in terms of Boy You Danced on Air, I think because, um, I think, obviously, like, you've reorchestrated it a ton of times, but even Tim's, like, initial, like, normally when we do a music first song, you know, it could just be, you know, a piano with you singing neutral syllables. But I think for Boy You Danced on Air... The um, because of what you were saying, the sort of uh, the acoustic instruments and the relationships between them and the ways that they're played factored so much into the songwriting. Like I would get pretty much like MP3s with like at least three or four instrument parts. Like yeah, there. so I got the full out. Yeah, yeah drama of the song basically. Which is, yeah, which is really easy on my part. Cause I, I had like, no, no idea get this. that you guys were music first. <clears throat> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, which, 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 is, uh, which is interesting. I wonder, I, I actually had this thought the other day because we've never really, we don't write comedy songs often, which is partially, I think, like, a ta like, we, like we don't find things funny. No. <laughs> um, we're very serious We're very people. serious people. Um, but it, it, but it's weird. Like you, th like what the way BMI teaches is, it's like, you know, ballads. Like most songs are music first, and then comedy songs are lyric first. And the few times that we've tried to write comedy songs, I think both of us are pretty not satisfied with what we've come up with. And I think we had this discussion the other day, where it was like, oh, maybe we should like maybe this like 
piece of like BMI ideology that we like always rolled our eyes at. And we were like, how can you say something like that? Like, stop being like overly reductive. Like maybe it's true. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I, I wonder if also the fact that we write in a certain way has also led to certain moments being very appealing to us. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, th- I mean, to be fair, we haven't had the, that many opportunities to write comedy songs. That's true. How yeah. many times have we even done that? Like, yeah. I think I think we it's a different beast, and it is something that we've only tried a couple of, you know. Yeah, that's true. But it also seems times. you guys tend to gravitate to projects that, you know, won't necessarily have that kind of, like, yuck, yuck comedy song. Like, moments like that. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah, it's funny. It's, it's um... I don't, and and I think particularly coming up, like like finding out what your sense of humor in song is, is is also a very particular thing. Yeah. Mm. Um, because it's it's di- like because song elevates everything so much, you know. So it's like, I think like I would be even writing a funny script, even though I haven't done that all that much. I think I would be way more comfortable doing that than having to write a funny lyric. You mm. know? Yeah. Just because I don't like it's there's also like less of a temp. I don't know how how you feel about this Julia but like there's less of a template for contemporary like modern sounding comedy songs yeah like it's true Mm -hmm. like even like modern musicals that have comedy songs in them people tend to be drawing on a palette that's a little bit more old-fashioned than everything else in the score it Um, also always makes me think about you know that thing about when you're setting a lyric you're giving them a line reading basically because you're saying this is the rhythm that you'll do this at wow, and with yeah. comedy songs that like you were setting the punchline, right? Which is like <clears throat> it's a lot of pressure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah that is that's a great way of, mm. of thinking. Yeah, I, don't, I haven't um, thought about it that way. Um, so that'll be that'll be for later for us. Um, but yeah, mm. but so to to yeah to to answer the question, um, yeah, our our I think as as far as songwriting, we also talk things to death. So we, although. Yeah, I guess for for Boy Who Danced on Air, we did a fair amount of talking through song moments before you would go and write them, right? Oh, you seem surprised by this possibility. I'm trying to remember. It was so long ago since we wrote the majority of that score. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I I find it very hard to think of anything unless I have a lot of information. Right, right. So... I think we've gotten more so though. Like now we like really like beat by beat. Like it's like sometimes it will even be like, okay, so like what, what happens in this first eight, like, like section and even how long are the phrases? But I don't think we used to do. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. And there are moments in that score still where I'm surprised you figured out a way to deal with what I gave you because it wasn't (laughs) as specific as. As I'm so curious now. now. Well, you... like Boy of My Own, like there, you did a major turn in the middle of that song where I hadn't anticipated one, but I musically it sort of suggests that something happens. Yeah. And I think at the time I was like, something will happen here. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but in a way, in a way, I think you know? that that's I think that that's like the nice trade-off of it too. Like, um, so uh Kellen Blair, who's another a musical theater writer who's brilliant. I've seen him talk about uh, lyrics, and he, you know, he's also a he primarily writes music first, and he talks about um, getting a piece of music as like decoding a map. And I always like think about that. Like it's like you listen to this melody like a million times, and you're like, oh, like every at the end of every A section, it goes down, 
you know, mm-hmm. and then there's this long that then the B section is long held notes. So what is that like? So it's like you keep and you're like, oh, someone actually did, like actually all like what you should do as a composer, right? Is be like, there's should be a turn in this song. Here's a good place for a turn. Yeah, that's all you need to know because right. then like your job as a lyricist is to be like, oh, this music gave me a map and. I know. I also know that there should be a ter- turn in the song, and now someone's telling me where the turn should be. And so now, what I need to do is like get from point A to point B, right. and then turn, and then B to C, you uh-huh. know, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think that's why we work well. Me going first, maybe, is because yeah. there's something about uh, making music do a thing that I find incredibly challenging. It's not hard for me to know what needs to happen. And then it starts sort of writing itself. Like I start I start following the path. Like I'll go, what if it started like this? And I'll go, oh, obviously, and then this will happen. And then, you know, and this character is getting madder and madder. So then like this could, this sort of thing could happen. But if Charlie gives me a lyric that's literally the character says a thing, and then I have to figure out how to make the music support that but still flow and still give me the horizontal motion that I personally will feel satisfied with, the chances are so, you know, that you would yeah. anticipate what what should happen when and, and how many, you know, how much room it should take right. and all that stuff. But when, you know, songs are inherently dramatic, so whatever I do is going to have a drama to it. And I try to make it support whatever the moment is in a fairly specific way, but not down to the word. And here's what it, yeah. 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 And I also think that honestly for me, like I find it so hard to be like um, metrically or like scan wise disciplined without a melody. Mm. Like I think the few times, like everything feels so much more like, oh, I can I can sneak that in. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you hear it and you're like, uh, God, but I also like based everything around this and now it's hard to fix. It almost like the few times early on, like for Profit of Creation, we did a couple, we did, that was like halfway our first or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And it was just like every time I would get it back and I'd be like, yes, I know why this melody is now like this. It's because I made a decision (laughs) and I didn't really fully understand the implications of the decision I was making. Or if I did, I ignored that. And Uh. now it's what it is unless I fix it. And like, I I still um, think about like uh, into him, I've got to be a real man. I I know that God has a plan. Uh And like those lines don't rhyme because the scansion of those two lines, like it doesn't land the same way. I know that God has a plan. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. So uh-huh. it's like you set those lyrics the way they should be said, and then, but on the page, I was like, oh, that'll be fine. But like, then you hear it, and you're yeah. like, it's just not right, and there's nothing, and I remember looking at it, and it was like, well, I, I could rewrite the lyric, but now the melody like doesn't have any opportunity for rhyme, because mm-hmm. I made the decision Right, right, that right. it should scan this way. Yeah, and so, so in a way, you like to be reined in a little bit, and yeah. I like to have like maximum freedom. Yeah, <laughs> that's actually very indicative yeah. of our personalities <laughs> in song <laughs> as in life. <laughs> um, but Speaking of in song as in life, so you yeah. guys are collaborators who live together. Yes. That's right. Yes. Mm. Um, I we, live in the basement near the water heater. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and occasionally I'll just like, like when Tim writes a really good piece of music, I'll throw down a piece of raw meat and he'll like, I'll hear him <laughs> like scream towards around. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's working out really well. Really well. Um, My rent is dirt cheap. <laughs> <laughs> was that a hard decision for you guys? Like, how did that it, come to be? It was, well, it was actually similar to like writing together, like <laughs> where I like basically begged him to live with me for a good five years. And eventually he was like, so actually this describes our entire collaboration because also I will say, so I remember being, so for uh, the listeners at home, we met uh, Julia and Gordon at uh, this uh, workshop up at Yale that we were both doing. And um, I remember that like Tim and I had spent at that point four or five years working together, writing our first show. And like, I had just sort of assumed that like, I was like, this is going well, we're having a great time. Like that we were gonna keep working together. And I remember getting a definite like we'll see answer from Tim around that time. (laughs) I don't even remember this. Yeah, like but not in like a bad way. Not in a bad way, but just in a like, oh yeah, like maybe. maybe (laughs) I was like, what are we doing here? (laughs) Um, But but so living together was a similar thing where um, Tim lived in Queens and I, I lived in Brooklyn. So it was long distance. <laughs> um, so, uh, but um, you know, it it was just always like to to work together on anything. It was like you know, rent a rehearsal room, or one of us had to like travel like an hour and a half. Um, so you guys like working in the room together? We actually don't. No. We don't. We're are we better at it? We're not better at it. No. We still don't do it. No. I don't. Yeah, I yeah, I don't I don't know how, yeah. if you still feel this way. I there I, I my first impulse is never right. Right. I I actually it's down to a science now. I will be I I will I will sit down to write. I'll start something. I'll get a couple of sections of it done. And then I'll start something else. And the second thing is always the better thing. Yeah. I don't know why. Maybe it's, it's like getting the juices flowing or something. I have this thing for me. It depends like lyric to lyric. Like there are some lyrics. What I do in like my Julia's file organization system uh-huh. is that if I'm writing it, anytime I'm making like a major change in like the, sh- the feel of the thing, I save a new version. And like mm-hmm. there are some versions that's just like title of song dot you know finale. Yeah. And there's some that's like title of song like eleven. <laughs> just like I couldn't figure it out. Right. Right. <laughs> So you work in finale? I do. Oh, okay. I work Sibelius? in no in logic. I like play things into logic. Oh. It's the best. <laughs> like for anyone listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a big change that you made though from, It was. It um, was actually for Boy Who Danced on Air I started doing. That makes it. Sense. I have I have a huge drawer full of profit of creation manuscripts because I used to write everything. Mm-hmm. And uh for, I started doing that for boy, and then I realized I couldn't imagine these instruments playing mm-hmm. in my head. And that's a necessity. If you are writing something, a piano, because essentially if you're writing something on piano, you're writing a piano reduction, which means, or I should speak for myself, but I truly believe this is true for everyone. <laughs> you know, it means you kind of have to have something in your ear uh-huh. that isn't that piano. Because otherwise you'll write something very pianistic and beautiful on piano, and then you have to completely reimagine it for a new, you know. That's that's my experience anyway. For me, it depends on the show. If it's like something like Pregnancy Pack that's clearly supposed to be 
like sound rockish that yeah. will start orchestration and do piano reductions. Uh-huh. But things like Something Blue, which is like our little three-hander that is fairly pianistic, yeah. I'll do it piano and then it'll be like, also there's some strings. Yeah, <laughs> no, 100%. And uh, yeah, and all, all it takes is knowing what's missing mm-hmm. and, and you fill that in in your mind and you kind of, you know. And for, I was just working with, timbres I didn't know how they worked together because I wasn't even we have a guitar I wasn't really using it like a guitar you know I was using it like a instrument that can play that can pluck a couple notes at a time you know Mm -hmm. and I didn't really know what that would sound like with the piano and I didn't really know what uh these particular drums sounded like with I still the find you know, guitar and piano really hard to put together because they're so on top of each other. Yeah, like right, and you yeah, it's hard to imagine what's going to come out and um, of the texture uh, or where to put people, you know. And you can follow rules, and you can be like, oh, I'll put the piano a little lower and the guitar a little higher. You but set the rule. Maybe it's, it's, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just it's yeah, just a I'm new rule like, we're yeah, making. I'm just like, what's the logic behind this? You know, I don't. I don't really know. And how does uh, you know? How does a a rick sound with other instruments? I have no idea. I've never really heard a you know. And ricks have sort of really bright timbre. Are they going to sound good? You know, what does a harmonium sound like? I don't really know. You know, I mean, I would recognize it if it played. But uh, by the way, I feel like you could start sneaking in completely fake instrument names. Yeah, doing that. Like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I would try, and it would be so obvious. <laughs> it would sound like something from Doctor Seuss, and you'd be like, "Now hold on, Tim." Um, but uh, yeah, so I I didn't know I didn't know what, how to approximate things like that, and I started by writing on the piano and being like, "This I don't even this doesn't transfer. Yeah. I have to rewrite the song." So I started writing things in Logic with actual instrument sounds, and then before I knew it, I was really filling them out. Like I was, they really were deciding how the song, and and to the point that I didn't know how to play the songs for events because I was I was like, well, they we had so many conversations. What song will sound the least weird on just piano? Because we never heard them on piano before, so. yeah, that was an interesting Wait, experience. You also said something when you switched over to Logic that I thought was interesting as like uh-huh. a, a non-music person, is that you yeah. were like, you sort of felt when you were writing things out by hand, like you're a very visual person. So you would yeah. make musical decisions actually based on the way that the sheet music... The notes looked, looked. Yeah. yeah. I would look at the notes and I would think, that doesn't look right. And I'm such a, I mean, I'm... I'm a pretty fierce sight reader. I am not an improviser to save my life. And so I'm very used to looking at notes and the notes being what the music is. And I think for a writer, it ends up being severely limiting and you make a lot of, like I would make a lot of mistakes. Like I would just, I would try to fix it to make it look right and then it would sound worse. And it wasn't until much later, I would be at a concert of ours and I'd be like, I hate that. Why does that sound like that? You know? And then I'd look at the music and be like, it looks right. This looks like legit music. (laughs) It's so goofy. It's so backwards. So writing on Logic for me is great because 
it's all a listening experience, you know? I play, I, I'll play lots of ideas and you can rearrange them, put them however you like, and, and, and you can play on different instruments to see maybe, you know, maybe that will be the seed of an idea and, uh, and, and they can all just be a mess everywhere and you just play, th you know? And in my session, I'll be at, you know, whatever, measure 96 and play that. And then I'll be like, wait, I had something a few hours ago I really liked, so I go back to measure two, and I play that, you know. Yeah. And it's just, so I, I too, end up having a lot of ideas, but they're not all separate files. They tend to be, I just call them sketch. Like, I'll be like, you know, we just wrote science class, so it's called the science class sketch, you know. And it's just, like, lots of, whatever I can think of. And, uh, and then, you know, and then I can come back later, and rather than looking at music and playing it to see if I like it, mm -hmm. I just press play and close my eyes. And I'm like, do I like that? Like, if I came to see this show, would I want to listen to this song? And then I kind of know immediately, you know? I love that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, I'm very logic-centric now. How did we get on this? Oh, right, living together. Yes, oh, yeah. so related. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I said beforehand. I was like, is there something we should, I was like, we is this okay? Are we going too long? Like, You're doing very well. Is it okay? <laughs> okay. Do we get, do we get an A? We you get, get an Tim, A. That, that makes Three Tim plus. feel so relieved. <laughs> um, we should have printed them little certificates. Oh, that would be we great. Uh, we did. The listeners at home, that's, yeah. that's what they have to believe. Because we're really saying that we did. Yeah. Mm. That's awesome. I need something to go on my wall. Some affirmation for <laughs> you. For once. Yeah. Um, this is not kind <laughs> to Charlie. <laughs> um, but living together. Mm -hmm. um, so it was this thing. Oh, right. Because we were talking about writing in the room. Yeah. Mm. We should talk about writing in the yeah, room and yeah, how yeah. much we hate that. Right. Um, oh, I already did. You did. Yeah. yeah. So your turn. I agree. <laughs> Basically, I just want to say. I agree. No, there was a yeah. thing. So, you know, and the, there's a version of this in, in NYU where you. Um, well, actually, I think this. So NYU, your first year, you work with. Do you work through the whole class? You do. So we so BMI has this weird thing where it's like a similar structure to NYU where year one you do uh, assignments with on a rotating basis with people in your class and then your year two project is you choose someone out of out of that. Um, but the weird thing about BMI is you don't have time to make it through your entire class. So you only work with half of the people in your class. So there's this weird thing that happens like two weeks before the end of the semester I guess and where everyone who like if you've seen someone's music in class uh, who you want to work with but you haven't actually worked with them you like go and write like a standalone with them and like off you know like just to see like can we make this work you know and there was this one kid who um, I thought was a really talented songwriter and thought like maybe you know uh, I definitely wanted to try working with him and um, so he was like, great, yeah, uh, let's, like, meet up and, and, like, try writing a song together. And he was like, just, you know, come up um, with some cabaret song ideas and we can choose one and, you know, maybe we'll, we'll write something out of that. And I was like, great. And so I go over to his apartment. I sit, like, this is, like, I'm, I feel... My, my, yeah, yeah, I know. It was terrifying. So I go over to his apartment and I start reading off these song ideas that I've come up with. And there was one of them, and he was like, Oh, great. Like, let's do that one. That, that sounds good. And I was like, Great. And I'm like putting my notebook back in my bag, like ready to leave. And he's like, So what's the, what's, what do you think the hook is? And I was like, Uh, I, 
I don't know, like, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And he was like, great. And he's, like, sitting in a chair by his desk, but there's a keyboard there. And he just turns to the keyboard, and he starts, like, playing a little, like, groove thing. And then he's like, so it'd be like this. And then he, like, started singing a little melody over this groove. And then he, like, threw in the hook. And, like, he was like, so how do you think it, like, starts? And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> we are not so I literally made up an excuse I was like I, I like did that thing where like it's like it was out of like a comedy sketch where I was like oh my god you know I just totally forgot like I have to my cat my cat the oven on yes in my in, in my Mom's grandma's house Long Island yeah house. and I ran and oh, I never uh, came back. Never looked back. He never looked back. Yeah. And that song has not been finished. I was like, <laughs> I was incomplete. Yeah. Well, because I was like, I was like, here, why don't you, why don't you just send it to me as an MP3, like when when you're done with the melody, and and like I'll put lyrics to it. Yeah. And he was like, uh, okay. And so then he did that, but I was like so traumatized by the experience that I like never. The ideas wouldn't come. I just like didn't even want to open the file. <laughs> like I don't think I ever listened to that melody. Oh my god. But I still hear it. Every <laughs> <night>. <laughs> so yeah, writing in the room is difficult. <laughs> it's for a more free spirited. Yes, it, yeah. exactly, exactly, yeah. and it's that's the thing. It's like it's a little bit like I just want to have like my like space and like mm. I like to like just be alone and have have the time to think think things through. So you guys are like in your own bedrooms apart, doors closed, like emailing back and forth to each other. Well so here's <laughs> here's the other thing that I realized about Tim after I finally got him to move in with me. Because a big part of uh my motivation for this is that like Tim I like Tim will sometimes not pick up and by sometimes, I mean often. <laughs> and um, so when we didn't live together, it was like frustrating because I was like, I have like very simple questions here. <laughs> and I just need that, like I need the answers to them in order to do the next thing. And I know Tim is free right now. <laughs> and I know he's at his apartment. Mm. And he is not picking up his phone. <laughs> and so then when Tim agreed to move in, I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I'm going to, like, go and ask him questions all the time. Access. Yeah, 24-hour <laughs> access, <laughs> which I had least, written like, into his lease. At least at some point in every 24 hours, you'll know you'll probably be able to run into him. Right. You would think. <laughs> yeah, you would think that. Here's what I discovered about Tim. Even though I live with Tim, there are certain hours that I can talk to Tim. And there are certain hours that you do not talk to Tim. Oh, right. particularly if you want to, to not, live. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, to not suffer consequences. T like yeah. Tim is like the nicest, sweetest person ever, oh, and like we'll you. deal with like we'll deal with like really bad news like really well, wow. or like really difficult situations really well. Thank you. So between much. the hours of one p.m. and four p.m. <laughs> 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 no, it's actually any time oh. after one p.m. Um, and or 3 p.m. on given days. 3 p.m. sometimes. That's the funny thing about Charlie and I is our working hours are opposite. Uh -huh. I, I, I like, I do not, I, I have a 
hard out in the evening mm-hmm. where my brain stops working. Yeah, it's called wine time. I call it wine time. <laughs> it gets very difficult when we deal with people on the West Coast because it means that our conference calls have to be during wine time, which means mm-hmm. I will be having wine. Yeah. During I would like to point out this is wine time. I, I stayed sober. Mm-hmm. I stayed. No, no. no Isn't this, this nice? This, Isn't this rare? Sorry, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is Honored. a very rare experience. Yeah. Um, <laughs> No, it's just one of those things where you like, I like feel the life force leaving me, you know, and I'm like, nothing good is going to come after Mm. a certain hour. Um, So, but for Tim. That's how I feel in the morning. In the morning. The life force has not entered yet. And it's probably too busy with Charlie upstairs. So I wait patiently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'll hear like the beginnings of life downstairs. And I would, I used to like go downstairs and like knock on his door (laughs) and be like, hey. Um, so, you know, we got this email, blah, blah, blah. And like, (laughs) I mean, there were some times early on where it was like, I also, I recently discovered I'm gluten intolerant. So let's, let's, you know, let's be fair. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I was dealing with some major intolerance. It was, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it was definitely the gluten. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. yeah. I can't eat bread. (laughs) Um, no, it's it's actually great, and it is way easier, and particularly as um, I think we've started working on more things, and Tim has started to agree to write more projects with me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, 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 I love this. Yeah, this makes me sound you. like an amazing person. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, you're, you're very hard to get. That is, I mean, I you you guys are working on a bunch of different projects and a bunch of different in a bunch of different forms because you have obviously you write musicals, but you also wrote a pilot with music yeah. in it. Uh, you're writing a children's show, which uh, some people, well, maybe you can yeah. talk about if if it feels like it's a different form from writing not a children's musical. You also wrote a song for India Re. Yes, yeah. And I just yeah. like uh, we're, we're like really we're really into pop these days. Mm. <laughs> oh, well, I'm really curious. Like was that a conscious choice to like branch out and diversify the types of projects you work on or was that just sort of something you fell into or like I think yeah, well, I think sort of what, like and each of the things, all these different things like happened in different ways, but I do think there and I was actually talking about this earlier. It's an interesting shift. Like I think that like Boy Who Danced on Air was like our like like um, our big decision, <laughs> you know, our thing where we were like, this is the project that we really want to do, and we are going to singularly focus on it, and and um, no matter how many people tell us no, mm-hmm. um, we we will see this through and 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 get it done. And that was really awesome. And I think now we're in this place where it was like, where it's like, cool. Like, for the first time, I wasn't really thinking about the next. What was next? Step, yeah, you know, I agree. So, and particularly after being like, like living with that show for so long, and living in one particular area for so long, there is something cool about like being like, well, what else? Like could we do like mm-hmm. let's let's try this and like let's and um and and particularly like each i think each of the things we're doing in different ways allows us to like explore like a different not to be like too fruity about it but like a different go side for of it. The... go for the fruit <laughs> we're ready 
<laughs> Not the first time I've heard that. <laughs> I don't um, even know what that means. I don't know either. Okay. It's wine time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sober at wine time. It's That's so your first good. comedy song. <laughs> sober at wine time. It's wine time. It's wine time. <laughs> I thought that was going to be my first self-help book. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. That too. Comedy um, slash self-help. Yeah. Oh, I love it. That's I love a it. That's a good combination market. of things. <laughs> um but yeah, like I, I think there, there is a, there is a thing where it's like, I mean, like comedy songs is a perfect example, or like, um, yeah, like the, the idea of writing something funny. Like we have not really had an opportunity to do that, um, all that much over mm. the past five years. Is <laughs> so, the kid show funny in a kid show way? What actually not pro- <laughs> probably not. <laughs> not. Our as, answer is probably our, our, not this one was not. We way. we did not. Well, that's I mean, but that was actually a cool discovery too. Was like um, uh, being like realizing like what um, I don't know what I was gonna. What was I gonna say? Well, I I'm guessing what you were about yeah, to yeah, speak yeah, on yeah. is uh. We didn't know, I guess we never anticipated writing a show for young audiences. And uh, when the opportunity came up, we... Right, it was um, it was uh, the, the the 20-minute thing is where it came from. Mm-hmm. So the, the, what was it, the tech, tech uh-huh. evening, New York City? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we, you know, we were like, sure, why don't we give this a go? What kind of, you know... YA show would we write, you know, now that we have this, this, this opportunity and just sort of started following down the path and the results, I think surprised both of us, not just the result, but our interest in it. Like, I think we're both very excited about this show and I don't know if it's funny in a kid's show way. I think for me, I, I think it's very funny in places and it's, um, it's probably got YA aspects that I am not as aware of as uh, they might be much more evident than I know. But, you know, to me, it feels very much like working on another show. Yeah. And I think the cool thing is, like, for me, like, I I would say it's probably not. Yeah, I probably wouldn't say, like, overall, like, funny, but it is it was an opportunity to be sort of very sweet and very warm and mm-hmm. like have all the characters be very warm people really trying to do their best. And like, there's something that like feels really good about doing that, you know? And like, mm-hmm. like the process of <clears throat> writing something like that, like does kind of put you in a very yeah. in a pleasant place. <laughs> and what about mm-hmm. the pilot? Uh, so the, uh, yeah, that, um, that actually happened completely. That was so our uh, one of our other roommates uh, who also went to Oberlin, uh, mm-hmm. Daniel, uh, had uh, Daniel moved right in. Yeah, Daniel. <laughs> Daniel's lived with me since <laughs> sophomore year of college, so <laughs> he gets way more points than Tim does. <laughs> um, but he, you know, he he had built up this whole uh, uh, video business and had basically, but he had always wanted to be uh, to direct narrative features or narrative stuff and so he basically just came to us and was like if you guys write something I will make it and make it happen and um so he did and that and that like so that actually that idea the sort of boy band slash fiction thing I I was thinking about that as a musical initially 
Yeah. Because that's what we do. We write musicals. And I was like, this is perfect. It's a boy band. Like, but mm. um, there was something that was so, in the end, I think so right about the intimacy of like video or, or film or, you know, and uh, because, uh, so the show, for all you listeners out there, <laughs> uh, no, the show is um, about a, a group of girls who write uh, gay erotic fan fiction about their favorite boy band. Um, and, uh, so, and it's sort of in tone, it's, it's, it's got a little bit of comedy. It's also a very sort of my so-called lifey kind of vibe. Um, so the, you know, I think everything about that show rests on the authenticity of the characters and you seeing these very like smart, um, articulate, creative girls and, and following them through their high school experiences and, and seeing how their fiction sort of helps them navigate all of that. Um, so there's there's like a size to musicals that we didn't have to we didn't have to blow things up to the same scale. I think, yeah. uh, which ended up I think being very good for that. Yeah. Um, so and how about writing the songs because they function as like boy band songs. Yes. Mm. But also, do they do you try to have them function? Um, as part of the narrative of the show, or not, not in not in a musical theater way. Yeah. Uh, the way that that we've sort of conceived of them now is like every every episode has a will have a new boy band pop song, and then that boy band pop song. So Tim also has written an orchestral sc- score for the fantasy sequences for the stories that these girls are writing. Um, so the the boy band song plays into the the fantasy sequence scoring, so you'll hear the uh-huh. melody and theme come back. Um, but but that that whole songwriting process was like really interesting. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I think we like learned a lot. Like if if the boy who danced on air was like our first step towards like oh this could potentially be like what pop songwriting is mm-hmm. or like some aspects of that. Mm-hmm. I feel like am I like true slash fiction was the time where we were. Like, oh, a hundred percent, yeah. Because we wrote. I mean, you should talk about this process, but you wrote like so many different, so many melodies. Yeah, I mean, actually, I'd love to hear what you think about this, Julia. I, I've realized in the past few years that, and I think it all stems from what I said, where my first idea is never the best one. Mm-hmm. What happens when you sit down and write a chunk of an idea, and then force yourself to write a new chunk, and then a new chunk, and then write. <laughs> 26 chunks and then choose the one that you like the best out of the 26 because that's possible to do and I learned that (laughs) (laughs) you know I worry I that I would run out of chunks so quickly yeah well I mean it's interesting because I had heard of people doing the song a day thing or blah 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 which I always honestly I always rolled my eyes at because I was like I didn't understand the value of that but now Especially for this, you know, there's something so, uh, the challenge is so interesting, I think, for writing, you know, quote unquote, a pop song, because the tools that you have to work with are so specific. And that, you know, any idea you have really is a sliver of an idea. And if you don't nail it, your sliver is not that great, you know? And it, and and it doesn't take a long time to come up with a sliver of an idea. 
And so I did find myself, you know, sitting down writing sliver after sliver after sliver after sliver just because they were all they all ended up being very different from each other. Some of them were way off topic. I mean, I some of those ideas, I didn't even send half of them to you. Like I would I would listen to them later and be like, "What did I think? Was I writing like a tango or something? Like what was so I thinking?" Usually like a hook or like a texture. Yeah, it'll be like a section. It'll be like a chorus or a section that I don't even really know. Some of them would turn out to be the bridge or mm-hmm. they'd turn out to be, you know, a pre-chorus. But uh, the yeah, I just wrote tons of slivers and, you know, played with sounds and played with beats and How do you make your beats? Um I so I started out trying to use the beats that they provide in logic, mm-hmm. you know, and for some reason they were never um I had trouble making them work for me. I don't know why. I still don't I have really a know why. Philosophical question about those beats. Yeah. If I use one of those beats, like did I write do you know what I mean? Like is right. there a, a a point at which I need to depart from those beats to make it my song. Ooh. I yeah I, I don't know I don't know the this answer. This stuff tells with your modest or your um uh, danger mouse masterclass. Didn't he have an opinion on this? Oh, uh, dead mouse. Dead mouse. <laughs> you keep calling him danger mouse. <laughs> he started with modest Sounds like mouse. A yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, it's one of the mouses. Mickey. He is sort of a superhero. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, does it? I don't he, know. He was very. He was very. Oh, he was very critical of people who didn't make their own sound. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a huge thing. I think these questions are great. You know, they're huge questions in and they have been huge questions forever, Mm -hmm. ever since people started calling music their own and selling it. You know, there's a question as to when what the idea actually is and who owns it. And I don't actually really know. I and and that doesn't bother me that much because I never imagined I would keep those beats. Like right. I'd be like, let's do the finished project to this beat. I just oh, thought, I need to take it out later. Yeah, I and replace even let it. Touch them because I just feel weird about it. Oh, well, the good thing, you know, I, well, there, for me, there ended up not being a good thing about them because mm-hmm. I I thought that there would be. I will say one of the songs that came very close to being in that first episode we did of True Slash Fiction. I used one of those beats for, and I love it. Yeah. I never would have thought. It ended up being very Motown in, like, the coolest way. And it, it really did make me make decisions I wouldn't have made. Yeah, I believe that. So, you know, which is exciting. And honestly, it was an acoustic beat, so if we ever recorded it, we would have recorded it with a band. Yeah. And then they would have gotten the sheet music. and like then I'm reinventing the reel if I write out the most traditional rock beat in the world. Like the, right. Because I put it on paper. Yeah, and honestly, I think I think most, most beats are extremely basic. I think that, you know, is actually a sign of... Um, Oh, I probably shouldn't say this. I'm reading this book right now that I think is quite wonderful. And one of the things he says in it, um, I stole it from someone. (laughs) So I shouldn't say uh, because I'm not giving it back. (laughs) Um, But uh, it's it's a textbook. 
And uh, he he says a lot of the the advice they give is an attempt to make you not look like an amateur, and they actually are pretty transparent about that. And you know, one of the things he said is a sign of an amateur is somebody who writes an overly complicated beat, which, from mm. my experience, is a hundred percent true. But I never would have realized it or given anyone that advice. But I really do believe. If I'm going to give a chart to a drummer, there was a time, I mean, at Oberlin, some of the drummers, oh my God, some of the drum parts I get, because I had no idea how drums worked. I had no idea. And I was just like, so I have all these drums. I can use any of them anytime I want. So like, I want that one and I want that one. And then I want them all at once. Yeah. And like these drummers are like, uh, so we're in four. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know. You tell me. (laughs) Um, But uh, it, yeah, all, all beats are, you know, the basic grooves are very basic. And then the the things the things people add and the little details are wonderful and matter a lot. But if you're you know if you're giving like a drummer a chart and you're not actually a drummer, you're probably going to give them a more basic looking groove and be like, "Can you work with this?" You know, rather than what I used to do. Right. <laughs> so, um, why am I talking about this? Grooves. Oh, something about you were because you were talking about like. Um, how you started out using oh true slash fiction songwriting. You started out using the logic beats, but yeah, right. And then and then I just real I realized uh, that it it actually was better for me. I think I I think in terms of melody and harmony for harmony is everything to me. Yeah. I, and and that that makes it hard to write pop songs because I have to find some way to create the sensation of a 13 chord if mm. I can't have a real one. <laughs> you know, at the end of the yeah. day, <laughs> I just want that crunch and <laughs> I will always get it somehow. Um and uh and so writing pop song, you know, I don't think in terms of chord symbols. And and so what I have to do is write the thing first, and then I have to figure out what everything actually is or what the best answer is. Is this really a D minor 7? I'm not sure, you know, but I guess I have to commit, you know. I have to decide. And, you know, same thing with drum grooves. I don't really think in terms of, like, the exact pulse. I think in terms of, like, the the how the pieces are fitting together and then I'll do something weird that doesn't quite make sense and then I'll try to make it make sense to my ear mm-hmm. and and then it sort of comes out of that you know it's like just sort of a weird sandboxy process I guess and uh and and so that's sort of I realized I couldn't use I couldn't start with a beat because most of the time except for this one example I just sort of go blank and I sort of go I'm. I don't feel very excited, like inspired mm-hmm. by this. Mm-hmm. I need to start somewhere that makes me, you know, really wake up and start, you know, writing. Yeah. But so that that actually made I think the the songwriting process interesting because I feel like the way that most uh, pop songs, at least as far as we've heard, the way that they come together is like right. You have like a top line writer and you have um, a producer, mm-hmm. and so there's like. And it starts very often with the producer, with the beat. 
and then yeah, and then right. the top line writer writes on top of that, and right. that's, and the melody fits on top of the beat. Yeah. For us, it was it was actually interesting. Like we wrote a song, and then but like it was a song that was meant to sound like a digit like a beat. Like it wasn't like we wrote a rock song. Like we wrote a like pop song, and we then brought on a producer who then came up with a beat sort of reverse engineered a beat to the song and then yeah. you re- re- reverse engineered the melody and the backup beat. vocals to f- fit the beat yeah so interesting. and i it's... don't recommend it i mean i have no <laughs> idea how that worked I, I think he must be a genius i think I, a genius. yeah I you. still don't really understand how that all played out. It made me enormously uncomfortable. Yeah, you really like, I'm I was very... going to say, I feel like I feel such a sense of like individual ownership. The idea of collaborating. Yeah. Like, I understand. Yeah. Like I can see why it gets you a really interesting product, but I think it'd be hard. Was, oh, I, yeah, I don't even know if it's an interesting. I think just a functional product is <laughs> all we were after. Yeah. Like, I, I, like I said, I wouldn't ever tell anybody... You know what you should try to do is <laughs> 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 like really screw yourself over by you know yeah. by writing something that doesn't you know the melody's great <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know I, and I I I think it was sort of a a, a backwards Process. way to yeah. do it and I'm very inter I love reading about how pop songs are written I think it's so cool I actually think you know. I'm interested in top line writing. Like, I think that is a, I think that's how my brain works, honestly, is, you know, most of of what I write is because I'm just sort of mindlessly singing to something that I've built already, mm-hmm. you know? And then I change the thing that I built to match what the singing was, you know? The chords are still the same, but I'm like, oh, maybe the groove would be better suited to this melody if, you know? But uh, the idea that somebody can just get a finished product and sing a top line over it, what a cool skill, you know, yeah, and, and come up with words at the same time. It's Well, how did it happen for the song you wrote for NDRE? So that was, that was, uh, that was a much more traditional, like, songwriting process. Okay. That was literally, I mean, except for the fact that uh, we, we were never, like, in a we haven't really met her ever. Yeah. Um, I met her in a hallway once. You met her in a hallway. Yeah. And you we said, had a real connection. You said, hey. <laughs> I said, hey, and she was like, bye. <laughs> uh, That's no, not true. I'm like yeah. misrepresenting. Am I going to get sued or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lawsuit. <laughs> That's coming. not how it happened. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, so we, basically that was a thing where we wrote, the, the way that came about is uh, we uh, were making a video for the Dance Theater of Harlem like a, a season announcement video and it involved a story and then we were writing a song mm-hmm. just basically to fit this sort of uh-huh. short film that um, they had so wanted we knew what song they had wanted to use and our friend who was directing Daniel who yeah. was directing it was like I know some songwriters can I see if they're interested in writing a song that's more more actually customized to what the video is about 
Right. And so, you know, we were obviously like, absolutely. Yeah, what are we doing? We'll write a song. Um, but that was as much as we knew was what the, you know, what So the... originally it was closer to like writing for a musical where you have like a specific goal in terms of like storytelling. Or, yeah. 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 So, right. and, and and we knew the, the tone um, and we knew, you know, I we, we knew the beats of the story. Mm. And so we just wrote a song. And then basically what, what happened was we, you know, Tim did a, a, a just a demo with his keyboard and him singing and we started talking with Dance Theater of Harlem about who could sing the song and I of course came into the meeting with like a list of like musical theater actresses who I thought could do a good job um, and the executive director was like oh yeah you know I actually because you forget like they're a major nonprofit institution <laughs> like they can <laughs> she's like I I share a life coach with NDRE. Like, I wonder, <laughs> I wonder if we could just get this song to her. Mm-hmm. And I was like, totally, <laughs> yes, that's gonna happen. Yeah. But like, then it did, and like, right. of course, like she, you know, I think really likes Dance Theater of Harlem's mission, and so you know, she was like, yeah, of course, I'll record yeah. the song. And so we we just basically we went into the studio. She was in Seattle, I think. So we went into the studio in New York. Him recorded all the instruments like you just mm-hmm. arranged it and recorded it mm-hmm. and then we just sent the um the track to the india. track to india and she in her recording studio recorded the melody and like made it was actually interesting like collaborating that way like she yeah. made she made some changes um and then we had a discussion about like some of them i th- the ones i think that are in the track are, are great and really mm-hmm. like are moments where you're like, right, we're musical theater writers. <laughs> we, there are things that, like, for me, like, at least lyric-wise. Yeah, no, were, me too. I think it was know. a real learning experience, yeah. you know. Somebody like that with all that experience behind her and such amazing taste, you know, being fa- you know, being given this material, it's interesting to see what her response to it is. And, uh, and she did such a beautiful job. I mean... Yeah. When I listen to her sing, I'm like, you know, you know, this is a singer. You know, yeah. some people are built to sing, yeah. and she really is unbelievable. That almost makes me want to throw a question over to Sam, just about when, if ever, you feel empowered to change material, or if you ever feel an instinct to change material. Oh, and you that's have to interesting. Bring it in somehow. Well, I mean. Uh, like I don't consider myself a singer in the way that like people consider India Aria a singer where it's like that's like her like precious gift right like I consider myself an actor who sings and so I'm never getting thrown songs outside of the context of doing a show and so when I get a song that I have to sing my I start thinking about like oh how do I t- how do I use the, what I have in front of me to tell the story and I've never, yeah, I've never felt the need to, um, I've never felt the need to like add like vocal embellishments because, um, or I mean, I, m- most of my experience has been in the development of pieces. And as an actor, uh, often, I don't know, my philosophy goes back and forth, but as an actor, oftentimes my thought is like, this process is for the writers to see what they have on the page and, um, decide whether they like it or not and decide what needs changing. And it's not up to me in that moment. Like it might be different in a production where like I'm on stage and 
Um, I know that like I can bring a particular thing that could elevate a moment. But in terms of development, where it's like not necessarily going to be me in the final production, I think it's more important to to uh, let the writer see what they have and make their own decisions about it. That's that's usually my philosophy. <laughs> I like that's such a good answer according to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, really in a room full answer. of writers, it's probably the right answer. Right? Yeah. yeah, what you can't see is that we're all pointing guns at Sam. <laughs> it's also like absolutely Sam. true, and I believe I've said as much. I was interview. I I had I was interviewed and asked this question, and I think I said the same thing. So, my I story holds water. Oh no no no, it's fine. Um, yeah, but that's yeah uh, yeah I do. Yeah, it's it's different from from recording a pop song, I believe. Right. And I think you're right the difference between performance like like having an end product versus yeah. a developmental thing. Yeah. You know. Right. Yeah. That resonates with me. Yeah. Cuz it definitely is exciting, you know, like I've definitely things like the Indiari thing where like someone brings something that you never thought of and you're like, "Oh, this is 100% better." And then you steal it and you make it yeah. part of your thing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, it sounds really cool that you guys have been working all the, all these different projects in different veins, but they're all sort of informing each other. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah I think that is that is the hope that like it's like the learning process, like yeah. everything. Every like I do feel like I, I mean, this is so silly, but like I. On my list of things to do, like there is one more rewrite I want to do to Boy Who Danced on Air. Ooh. And like I will say, like a lot of the sort of like TV ish stuff that is that has happened since, like I totally feel like I, I and maybe it'll be horrible and like a bad idea to rewrite it in this way, but like there are things that feel very clear to me now. And I'm just like, I cannot wait to go in there and like mm -hmm. just wow. do because it things do inform like yeah. everything you write and you're like and you're like oh and this is uh, people t people talk about this with 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 theater but like the big difference with theater now and um you know theater in the 40s and 50s or musical theater right is like writers no longer have the opportunity to see their work in production frequently so yeah. you kind of are in this weird static like you're developing and you're getting like you move in a direction. Mm -hmm. Like you, I think you said this too. Like, but it's there's no feed. There's very little real feedback from mm -hmm. from an audience. There's you know there are development people and there are people who give you notes and stuff like that. But like it, you know, everyone says it, but it is really it's like the experience of like seeing something go up in front of an audience, hearing people's opinions on it like like and really feeling like the um how little decision how tiny decisions can like affect the overall feel of a thing in such a big way like um it does change like i for the be for better or worse it changes your perspective yeah on, on, mm -hmm. on in a way it's a little bit it's a little bit unnerving to realize that, you know, for myself, and I, th I think you're hinting at this too, how we just keep develop, like keep changing our opinions and developing. And I, you know, w sort of waking up and going, 
what do I really know? Like, and not really having an answer for that. Like, what am I really sure of? Like, what do I really know how to do? <laughs> you know? And uh, I think I think that's a weird thing about writing to me that I can't say about, you know, music directing or playing the piano. I can say, I can sight read really well. Yeah. That's something I know how to do. And if, if somebody hires me, I will tell, I will sight read for them or, you know... I will learn that piece of music and play it really well. Or, you know, these feel like tangible things. And in songwriting, it all feels intangible and floaty. And, like, it's always adjusting. And and you're right, everything I do informs everything else. So sometimes I look back and I'm like, wow, I learned that thing just in time. Like, literally just in time to do this recording that now I can't touch, you know? And there are things I didn't learn in time, you know? That I, you know, Boy Who Danced, I was reorchestrating that until the last minute because I kept listening to it and being dissatisfied and being like, there's something missing. There's some, it's not, it's not punching enough or it's not using this, you know, group of instruments to their best, you know, um, advantage. But in a way, like that discerning ability to know it's not enough this, it's not enough that, that's this like transferable skill that you have. Right. Like, yeah, but what do you call that, I wonder? <laughs> <Taste>? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I guess taste. Yeah. You could tell somebody, I have good taste, please hire me. Yeah. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. You're putting that on your resume. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and and it's also wondering if I do, you know, like when do, when's the is there an end point where I go, oh, I'm the person I set out to be, I'm the writer I set out to become. Is there a moment? I wonder, you know, where I where I can say that. That's I, you know, I watch a lot of interviews with um, people like farther along in their career than me, and a lot of them are asking the same question. So. Uh-huh. Um, m- I'm, I'm afraid the answer I'm afraid the answer is no <laughs> <laughs> no Sam but it actually gives me comfort to hear that knowing that right. they're feeling the same thing as I am yeah and we're at such different totally stages of our agree. careers and I, I think that's one of the defining things about my 30s that I'm, I'm starting to realize the the sense of uncertainty and the constantly move, moving you know um, uh, tides are a part of my life they aren't a transition period yeah. and, and uh <laughs> you know? it's all a journey and you're you're like oh god i'm sounding really woo woo but it is all yeah. a journey and like you, as, as you do build these skills like your career is far from over uh-huh. and you've there's i'm i'm personally that's very, what i that's what i whisper to myself in the mirror <laughs> well i mean i'm personally like very excited about what you two have ahead of you because i think you guys are just amazing oh thanks thanks likewise um, oh gosh i was not fishing but I, <laughs> but I accept um yeah so thank you guys so much for talking to us oh please oh sure thanks for, thanks for having Our us pleasure great go drink some wine yeah oh, wine done time and done